How many of you have heard of Lazarus? Very good. Then you might remember this. Lazarus was the brother of Mary and Martha. And there was this time when I was walking with Jesus, all of us were together, and we received news that Lazarus was sick. Now, Jesus didn't think it was all that urgent. In fact, he said something about him sleeping. So we didn't go there. But a couple days later, he said it was time. So we went to Bethany, and when we got there, it was clear something tragic had happened. In fact, Mary and Martha were both upset when they first saw Jesus. Each of them separately said, Jesus, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. Maybe you could have saved him. I had never seen anyone talk to Jesus that way before. Talk in a way that they were just so straightforward, so honest, so upset with him. But he didn't seem upset by their being brash. In fact, he looked almost sad and then he wept. And he instructed that the stone be rolled away from the tomb, which could be a bad idea. Lazarus had been in there for four days. And then standing in front of the tomb, he said, Lazarus, come out. And he did. Lazarus walked out of the tomb towards Jesus. Mary and Martha were elated. Their, their smiles were abounding. They, they couldn't believe their brother was back, that Jesus actually had done it. They thought he might, but now they saw. And I was just so happy. I thought Lazarus must be thrilled to get to be back with them and keep doing the things he wanted to do. It isn't until coming here today that I realize I had entirely missed the way Lazarus might have felt. I mean, I'm happy to be here with you and all, but heaven is so much better. Heaven is just more bright, more brilliant, more loving, more worship, more togetherness with God and His people. It's an absolutely amazing place. Nothing that you've heard has prepared you for what's there. No amount of color descriptions would get it right. So being here with you is good, but it's not heaven. As you heard already, I am Simon. I know you thought I'd be Peter, and I'll say more about that later. But I am Simon. What do you think of when you hear Simon? Some of you may have this vision of a harsh judge on an idol show. Some of you may think of a little chipmunk that has amazing powers of singing. Some of you may remember an electronic handheld device that bleeped at you and had colorful lights and you pushed buttons. Oddly enough, I think there are some in this room who thought that was exciting before the cell phones were invented. But I don't want you all thinking of different Simons, so let's bring you together. Have any of you ever heard of or played this game called Simon Says? Oh, good. Well, let's play it then. Why don't you stand up? Simon Says, stand up. (laughs) Simon Says, say your name. Good. Your name. That's tricky. I don't need you to be that smart about it. Simon says, make a goofy face. 
Simon says, touch your chin. Oh, no, your chin, folks. <laughs> Simon says, stretch your hands out in front of you. Good, now relax them. Oh, nope, Simon didn't say that. All right, we'll go ahead and stop. Simon says, stop, sit down. You get it. One of the most basic, easy games, right? You wait for an instruction, and you follow it. You'd think it would be easy. Jesus asked me to play Jesus Says. But it seemed like, instead of listening to the things he said and doing the things he said, somehow I always wanted to play Simon Says. I always wanted to do it my way. I wanted to find a way that I could impress, that I could take initiative, that I could lead. If you get nothing else out of today, if you remember the Simon Says game we played, and just hear me when I say, we are called to play Jesus Says. The things he says, he means them. I first met Jesus this time uh, And he came up to me and he looked me in the eyes and he said, You are Cephas, Peter. Rock is what it means. It's not even a name. It's just a weird word that he used when he saw me, Cephas. It was almost like it was some party trick. Like maybe he just goes around and says, You are earth. You are wind. You are fire. Earth, wind, and fire. I wonder if he did that once in the 70s. I wish he hadn't. (laughs) Maybe. But when he looked at me, he meant it. Something about that word, Peter, rock. I wanted to live up to that. He saw me a few days later, and this time I was fishing, and I had caught nothing all night, which is unlike me. I'm a professional fisherman. I fish with James and John. We've been doing it all our lives. But I hadn't caught anything this one night. And as I brought the boat in, Jesus was actually there. And he said, cast your nets to the other side. It's ridiculous advice. I wanted to say, why don't you stick to woodwork and teaching? I'll do the fishing. It's almost as ridiculous to imagine the fish being lined up as it is to imagine you could have an airplane separated with smoking and non-smoking and the smoke wouldn't know to cross over. You just can't do it that way. But somehow I decided to try it. So I threw my net to the other side. And you know what? They filled up with fish. So many fish. In fact, the boat was sinking. And I called everyone else over. I said, you've got to get over here. There are so many fish. And so we brought the fish in, and I was exhausted. I had my boat and my nets, and Jesus was there. And he said, follow me, and I will make you a fisher of men. Follow me. He wanted me to play, Jesus says, and I wanted to play too. You wouldn't believe what it was like to be with him for those years. It's amazing. His love for people is unlike anyone you've ever known. There's no prejudice. There's no hatred. It's like he just loves them. 
we went up to this guy, Matthew. He was one of the tax collectors. And he had this table. And he went up to Matthew. And I wasn't sure what he'd do. This was early on. I thought maybe he'd scold Matthew for trading out against his own people. He invited Matthew to follow him as well. I didn't want Matthew to come. He's kind of harsh. But Matthew did. And the strangest thing, Matthew instantly wanted to call all these other tax collectors over and have a party so that they could come and see Jesus. He was so proud of his new friend. You've got to meet this guy. And Jesus was happy having a party with them. I shouldn't put Matthew down. Matthew's one of my best friends. Matthew's really quite amazing. He loves everybody. He loves the meek. He loves those who are mourning. He loves those who are poor. If there's someone who needs a glass of cold water or something to eat, Matthew's the first to get it for them. And he says, when I do it for them, it's just like I'm doing it for Jesus. And to Matthew, it was never forced or strained. He, he found following Jesus just to be easy. Doing it Jesus' way and following Jesus wasn't hard for Matthew. But it, it was for me. But Jesus loved people. It wasn't just Matthew. Prostitutes, lepers, or even these kids that were coming around us once. And I tried to clear the space and get them away so that Jesus would be able to do his stuff with the adults. And Jesus said, let the little children come to me. He loved everybody. But it wasn't just his love, it was the miracles. It was this time we were in this giant crowd and someone, I guess, had pressed against him and he said, who touched me? And it was a goofy question. I mean, everyone was crowded around. But what had happened was there was this woman who had this issue of bleeding and she wanted to get close and she touched his garment and she was healed and he knew it. And he didn't want her to just get healed and go away because it's not the healing that Jesus wants us to seek. He wants us to seek him. So he got to a place where he could look her in the eye and he let her know that she mattered. I saw this time that there was this giant crowd and there was no food. There was just these fish and these loaves and Jesus was able to make everyone satisfied and fed. We even had 12 baskets full at the end. There's so many miracles, healings, people that came to life again. His miracles were amazing, but it was also his teaching. It was amazing. So many people try to tell you about the rules, tell you what other rabbis were teaching, tell you why what they were saying was important, but not Jesus. He just kind of told you. And it wasn't like, do this or try that or you have to do that. It was like he just said, look at me. Follow me. Come and learn how I do it. Do it my way. Love God. Be in relationship with God. Friends, it was so different the way he was describing the kingdom of God. Like it was actually here. Like it could be experienced or known. I wanted it. Whether it was his love, his miracles, his teaching, I wanted it. And I wanted him to know that I wanted it. I wanted him to know that I was a leader, that I could do it in ways that would be impressive and good. 
And so I tried so hard everywhere we went. I tried so hard to be one step ahead to think of what it is I could do that would help him be impressed and recognize my love for him. I had such love. But you know what? Whenever I had a a rock moment, a moment where there was some substance, something solid, something good, it always seemed coupled with a Simon Says moment, doing it my own way. There was this time we had been together and there's this great crowd around us. And as he often did, he said, look, I'm going to be on my own for a bit. Why don't you guys go ahead and take the boat? And so we did, and we went out. The winds were so strong that night, and we were rowing so hard. We were exhausted. And in the boat, someone noticed this shadowy shape in the distance on the horizon. He didn't know if it was some sort of a large fish or a bird, but it, it didn't move like a bird, you know? And over some time, we could actually see it almost looked like a person that was there. And as he came closer, someone said, that looks like Jesus. We realized it must have been a ghost. And so as it was just right beside our boat about to pass us, we shrieked in horror. We were so scared. And the ghost turned. And he said, take courage, it is I. And it was Jesus. It was actually Jesus. He was walking on the water. I'd never seen anything like it. I'd been on the water all my life. And I said, Jesus, if it is you, ask me to come to you and I will come. And he said, come. So I got down a little bit lower in the boat and I started to step my foot out of the boat. And I had my foot touch the water and it was wet. I don't know what I expected. It was still wet. But my foot actually found some substance. It was like it wasn't going down all the way. And I was able to put my weight on it and I got my other foot out. I had to have looked like a little baby. I mean, I was shuffling my feet, just couldn't believe what was going on. I was on the water. And then I took a step, an actual step. I stepped out and my foot was still steady. And I took another And another, and as I got closer to Jesus, there was this gust of wind. I saw the wave, and I panicked. And I started to sink. And as I sunk, I said, Jesus, save me. And in a swift move, he grabbed me. It was firm, but gentle, and he grabbed me around the wrist. And the next thing I know, we were in the boat together. But he gave me that look. That look that just said, don't you get it? You're with me. Trust me. Love me. Know me. It's all okay. With me, you can do all things. I knew that look because I had seen it before. There was this other time we were out in the boat. He was with us at that time. And I know the waters, and these waters were rough, rougher than I had ever really seen. I sensed we might drown. In fact, we all did. And in our panic, we woke him. I said that. We woke him. He was asleep in the boat, even though the waters were so rough. We woke him and we said, Jesus, don't you care if we're going to drown? And he said, you of little faith. We just didn't get it. I didn't get it. I am Simon. And Simon says... 
There are times I want to please, but I look at the world around me and I think I need to do it my way. I think I need to do it differently. I think I need to find a way. I try so hard. Simon says, there's this time we were walking along and so often as we did, he'd prompt us with a question and he said, who do the people say I am? I decided it would be safe to stick down the middle. And I said, well, uh, some people, they say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah or Jeremiah or maybe one of the prophets. And he looked at me and he said, no, but Simon, who do you say I am? I'd never really thought about it. You know what? After all this time, I knew I wanted to follow him. I knew I loved him, but I never really thought about Who is he? And in the middle of my wondering what I would say, I just kind of blurted it out. You are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. And when he looked at me, his eyes brightened. I got it right. He looked at me and he said, Simon, son of Jonah, you did not learn this from man, but by my Father in heaven. I got it right. He said, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Mm. You know what? Just a little bit later, he, as we were walking, started to tell us, we're on our way to Jerusalem, and when I get there, I want you to know I'm going to suffer many things. In fact, there will be people there who will kill me. <laughs> Did he not even hear how right I was? I just said he was the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God. And now he's talking about being killed? It makes no sense. So I told him that. I said, never, Lord. And you know what happened? He wasn't pleased with me. I was trying to defend him, saying, no, that won't happen. This is going to be a good outcome. You're God. He said, get behind me, Satan. What what had I done? I was trying to help. I was trying to think of a way that he wouldn't have to do that. Simon says, I am Simon. You know, even as we move towards the Last Supper and his arrest, I still couldn't get it right. You'd think by now I'd have learned. We were moving into the upper room, and he had asked John and I to get the food for the Passover meal, and we were preparing it. I didn't know why. I wondered if he was upset at me, because... I was kind of the lead disciple, and it didn't seem like something I should have to do. But then I realized something else. There we were, just the group of us, and there was no servant there to clean our feet when we came in. I looked around. I looked like a servant because I was serving the meal, but surely I wasn't supposed to do that. And then Jesus, he took the basin and the towel When he came over to me, he was getting ready to wash my feet. Jesus was. And I said, no, you're not going to wash my feet. And he looked at me and he said, unless I wash your feet, you will have no part of me. So I'd clearly gotten it wrong. I thought I'll try again and do better. Then wash all of me. And he looked at me again. He said, it's not necessary. I couldn't get it right. At the meal that night, we're sitting around and he says, Simon, you will deny me three times 
tonight before the rooster crows. I said, no, I won't. If if everyone were to go away from you, I wouldn't deny you. Even if I have to go to death, I'm not going to deny you. I knew that. That night on the hillside, he had asked us to pray. He said it was important that we pray, but I fell asleep. He woke me up and he said, please, I need you to pray with me tonight. And I fell asleep again. I had promised myself this time I was going to stay awake. I tried so hard so he'd be pleased. I loved him, but I am Simon. And when he woke me up, he said, it's time. They're coming. And there I could see soldiers coming. Soldiers coming at Jesus, a man of peace. And Judas was at the front of the line determined to come right towards Jesus. I had messed up so many times. This was going to be a time that was different. Jesus would know how brave I was, how ready I was to stand with him. I grabbed my sword and I swung. It wasn't a great swing. I got just a little earlobe. And then Jesus made me put my sword away and he said, that's not how we're going to do it. I was doing it for him. And he healed the guy's ears. And they took him. And as they took him, I followed close. I wanted to be available for him. I wanted to be there to help him out if something went on. I wanted to keep my eye on him. And as we're standing there, I'm around this fire. It was a cool night. And this little girl probably hadn't even had her bat mitzvah. I mean, real young. She she looks at me and says, Aren't you one of them? I said, No. She said, You're not one of the disciples, are you? I said, no. A little bit later, someone had noticed my accent, and they said, didn't I see you tonight in the olive grove? And I swore an oath, no. At that moment, I heard the rooster cock-a-doodle-doo. And I looked over the crowd Jesus looked up. He was beaten. He was worn down. But he looked me in the eye. And I had let him down. I had had tried to do something that would keep me safe. Keep me there. Keep me there to help him. But I let him down. You know what happened next. You know about the arrest. You know about the cross. You know about casting lots for his clothes. The vinegar. You know about the curtain breaking. You know about the tomb. When he was in the tomb, we didn't know what to do. What were we supposed to do? Were we supposed to hide? Were we supposed to go back to our life the way it was? Was this all over? And then there was this hope. Sunday morning, Mary Magdalene was there, and she came running back, and she knocked on our door, and we heard it, and we didn't know what it was, and she said, the stone. It's been, it's been moved. And we ran back, and John makes this big deal about running faster, but I wasn't trying my best. And when we got there, we found these strips of linen, but no Jesus. And then he appeared to us, the twelve. Well, not the twelve, because Thomas wasn't there that day, and Judas, of course, he wasn't there. But he appeared to us, and he appeared another time, and he showed Thomas his hands, and he said, feel and know But blessed are those who would believe even if they don't feel and know. 
But you know, in those times back, I wondered. I knew Judas wasn't supposed to hang around with us anymore. But was I? Was I supposed to be around anymore? I had denied him three times. We didn't see him often. We were often together, though. And on this one night, I realized, I just got to get out of here. I got to go fish. And so I did. And some others came with me. And we spent the night out there. It was an awful night of fishing. I caught nothing. I'm a professional fisherman, and I caught nothing. I just went up and down. And my mind went with it. Up, and I thought of all the great moments with Jesus and how much I loved him. And down. I thought about how much I had let him down. I wanted to please him, but I let him down. Nothing. There was this voice from the shore, and it said, Have you any fish? That's the last question I wanted to answer. No, I'm a total failure. So I just mumbled it under my breath, no. And the voice from the shore said, Throw your nets to the other side. Silly advice. What would I have to lose? I tried it. And in that moment, my net started to fill up with large fish. And in that moment, I remembered this from before, three years earlier, and I gathered my things, and I splashed into the water, and I flailed to get there as fast as I could. It was Jesus. I wanted to get to Jesus. I'm not all that great a swimmer, and this was pretty sloppy indeed. It was only about 100 yards, and the boat was there almost the same time. And as I got to the shore, Jesus was sitting by the fire, and he said, bring some of those fish And I turned to get the fish with the others. But it dawned on me, with all that spectacle, Jesus didn't come over to me. We brought the fish and we sat around in a circle. And Jesus held this bread that he had. And as he held it, I could almost hear him saying, This is my body given for you. It was like communion. We were together again, all of us. But oh, how I wanted him just to say, you're still special. I notice you. I love you too. And then I heard it, the sweetest sound. Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Yes, Lord. You know I love you. Simon, do you love me? Yeah, yes, you know I love you. And he said, take care of my lambs, take care of my sheep. And he asked me this third time, do you love me? And I said, Jesus, you know all things. You know that I love you. And he said, feed my sheep. He gave me a task. He gave me something to do. He loved me. He called me once and he said, you are Peter. And he said, follow me. And then again, after a bad night of fishing, he called me again. I had a new chance. Three times I said I loved him. I undid the denial. I was Peter. And he gave me another task that I wish I knew all along, but it wouldn't have been the time yet. He said, follow me and wait for the Holy Spirit. We were there one night in this room. There were 120 of us, and we were gathered, and we were praying. 
And then whoosh. This wind, it came in. It was this noisy wind, but we knew it was something unique and it was the Holy Spirit. And we all started speaking in voices that we didn't even know. But the people around us, they knew what it was. They knew as we told them the gospel, they understood it. And 3,000 people gathered with us. It was the most amazing thing. For days on end, we were this community and we gathered together every single day. We wanted to be together and we prayed together and we taught together and we broke bread together. We celebrated communion together. We did miracles and signs and wonders and everyone was filled with this immeasurable joy. We couldn't believe what it was like, this community The community of those who were seeking God, who loved God, who desired God more than anything else in the world. It is an amazing thing. And I was changing. I felt the power. I was like Jesus. There was this man, he was crippled for so long. And he said to me, do you have any money? And I felt like Jesus. I looked him in the eye and I said, silver and gold have I not, but what I have. In the name of Jesus, walk. His legs grew strong and he stood up and he walked, more than walked. He jumped up and down. He danced. He was delighted. Everyone was delighted. Except for some who were afraid we were changing the game. I thought maybe if I just explained it, so I preached this sermon, I thought it would help. But they got even angrier. I said, look, If what you're calling me out for is helping this man, I I need you to know it was in the name of Jesus that he is healed. But they put us in jail for the night, John and me. And the next morning, they said, you must cease and desist. But you know what? The fire wasn't going out this time. I was on fire. I am Peter. And by Peter, I was looking to and following and waiting and doing the things that Jesus would do. We did miracles together, all of us. And the world was changing. They weren't going to stop us. People said, isn't that Peter and John? Aren't they unschooled and ordinary men? And we were unschooled and we were ordinary But I will tell you, we became extraordinary. Jesus doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. And I was called to follow Jesus, and that is what I would do. And I got to see it. First, the Holy Spirit came to those who were Jewish like us. But then to the Samaritans. The Samaritans, they got to believe. And they showed the same signs because they believed and were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then the Gentiles, too. God's love was for everybody. It wasn't reserved to a group. It wasn't set in a bunch of rules. In fact, for a while, we were trying to make everyone become Jewish and follow our same rules. And eventually we said, forget it. There is only one rule. It is to follow the example of Jesus. And if you're going to play Jesus says and do what he says, then you need to watch him, look to him, read his words, follow his example. You need to wait on the Holy Spirit, and then you need to just do it with abandon. Decide it doesn't matter how expedient you think you're being. Do it his way. Do it with him, for him. It was amazing. Well, I'm off to see the Grateful Dead. (laughs) Not that great.
Grateful Dead. They performed their last concert. No, when I say the Grateful Dead, I mean those who understood that God loved them so much. I mean those who understood that he made a way through Jesus' life. I mean those who realized that by their own strength they were powerless, but in repentance they could turn to Jesus and know that they were saved. But not just saved, they had the opportunity to see the kingdom of God come. The Grateful Dead are those who have lived in a way that they are joining with God in heaven. And they are grateful that they spend eternity with Him. You know, one last thought for all of you. Jesus was the capstone that the builders rejected. I am Peter, the rock. But all of you, you and you and you, you all, living stones, that's what you are. You are building the church. You are the stones that make the church what it is. The church is not a structure. It is flesh and blood. It is you bringing the kingdom of God to this world. I want you to know you are a royal priesthood, holy and dearly loved. You can be holy even as he is holy. And I just encourage you to persevere. Even if you are getting purified, stick with it, persevere, because there is a day, there is a place, there is a time that Jesus has called us to. Stick with it. You are so important. Play Jesus says. If you know he said it, then do it. Follow him. Wait for him. Seek the kingdom of God. Love God. Love others. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I am grateful for the chance to be here today. I miss heaven. And I can't wait to return to you. But in the meantime, what better thing to do than to tell about your marvelous work, your marvelous love, your marvelous teaching, and we can do greater things than these, you told us. So God, let us follow you. Let us seek you more than anything else in the whole world. Let us want you. God, may it be so that nothing would hold us back. Fill us, Lord. It may be hard, but where else can we go, Lord? You have the keys to eternal life. So let us pursue you with a whole heart. Let us know you. Let us hear your voice. And let us see your kingdom come. Amen.